It's Friday. It's Treadmill Talks with me, Matt. It's me, Jay. You ready? Let's do this. Welcome to episode three of Treadmill Talks. Uh, this episode is going to be called The Science Behind Fat Loss. And hopefully it's going to be very um, information dense for you today. And to help with that, we have got a very special guest. Uh, we welcome Deborah, who is a well-being coach. Hello, Deborah. Hello there. Do you want to just take a moment to introduce yourself to the Treadmill Talks listeners? Yes, thank you very much for inviting me along. It's great to be here. Um, you've picked one of my favourite topics, actually, fat loss, because... Um, I think a lot of the things that we once held dear, we've realised are very um, last century now, and there's a lot more science going on around fat loss. Um, my background is specifically in education, and most recently in um, sports science research. So I've done quite a lot of work around looking at fat loss at various stages in life, and particularly because I've been concerned around um, the sort of increasing longevity, people are lasting a lot longer, we're lasting a lot longer than previous generations, but at the same time we're getting a lot fatter. Absolutely, yeah, no, I think um, that's a valid point. Um, Jay, anything to oh, add at this I point? I experienced the getting fatter. Hello everyone, <laughs> I experienced the fat a bit. Um, it was so, yeah, so subconsciously definitely... the fatter that made me sort of bring you in. <laughs> yeah, oh, thank you for that. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so I experienced the fat of it, and um, well, for one of better phrases, everyone would say, oh, I let myself go. Um, but luckily. It's very easily done. Yeah, definitely with circumstances in life and things that go on. Um, yeah, something happened in my life, and, and yeah, I ended up the way I did. But I mean, luckily, obviously, I made that change. But, um, and slightly controversial, it probably wasn't science that helped me along the way. Um, so, it'd be really interesting to hear what, mm. what he said so that we can. Mm. Maybe yeah. it's going to feed into actually what I was doing, but I didn't realise, and actually it's backed up by some good scientific points. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, these days people are taking their health a uh, fair bit seriously, fair bit more seriously, I should say, and are looking for finer margins to help with that. So you've got things like the step counting being very popular, people using apps to track their food and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think, but I do think there's a lot of grey area um, out there as to kind of what works. So we're hoping, kind of, with Deborah's help today, to maybe debunk a few myths, or at least kind of have some takeaway points that are going to be um, probably debated between the three of us, yeah. but are going to be kind of relevant. Um, so we've asked uh, Deborah to come up with a few points. Um, that she thinks are valuable for our beloved listeners. So um, let's start with the first one, if you can, so that is like of relevance. And yeah, yeah um, hopefully we're going to learn from you here. Yeah, I think um, as, as a woman, I've explored, you know, dieting at various stages in my life, having had children and put on weight and then wanting to lose that weight and then being in a sedentary job and again putting on weight and wanting to lose that weight. I've gone to Weight Watchers, I've done all those sorts of things. But what really emerged for me when I started looking at the science behind fat loss was the importance of muscle density. 
you know, how mm. important it was, the percentage of muscle you were carrying. And I think sometimes that's really missed in a lot of um, dieting advice. It's very much looking at your calorie intake, looking at what you're burning up, but there's not very much information about things like resting metabolic rate, how important that is, and how if you're carrying a high percentage of muscle, then that's going up. You can eat more food, which is a real positive, and it doesn't turn into a situation where you're just having to drop your calorie intake, drop your calorie intake, and keep reducing that, and pushing yourself potentially to a stage where your body goes into starvation mode and you actually lower your metabolism by just reducing calories. Yeah, I think that's massive. I think we're, de we're definitely on the same school of thought here. I think recently I've noticed a trend with um, female clients, especially being a lot more open-minded to want to do resistance training um, more so than maybe five, 10 years ago. Certainly I think mm. there was a mm. um, period where females thought they would look at a pair of dumbbells and turn sort of into a gregarious bodybuilder and sort of be walking around like Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, which is just not the case. Um, and I think, yeah, essentially when you are weight training, you are, if body composition is your priority, you know, you definitely want to prioritise that almost more so over cardio. Absolutely. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say so. I mean, initially, when you're just interested in the weight loss, then cardio is up there with the resistance, definitely. Yeah. But I know I, I reached a point where I had to actually cut back on my cardio mm. to maintain my muscle percentage. You know, I'd, I'd reached that point where I was losing weight, but I was losing muscle rather than fat so i had to kind of cut back on the cardio a little bit and up the resistance load up the weights a little bit more as well I think to make that difference when it comes to i mean if you're if you're i don't want to say really overweight it sounds offensive but if you are carrying a lot of weight and you're looking to lose any form of weight i think initially dare i say it, it almost doesn't matter as long as you are more active yeah, than yeah. Work, as long as you're not I as agree. sedentary as you were yeah However, that said, when I, in my experience, months into losing weight, and I'd started to see a significant drop already, I went to different places, found different information out, and at one point I was being told, you should just be doing cardio. Then I was, I was told, and even to this day, I probably don't even know the science really behind it, mm -hmm. but I was always then told, and I've kind of stuck to it, that actually weight training burns more calories and mm -hmm. has a longer lasting effect when you finish training and all this yeah, sort of stuff. And yeah, whilst absolutely. I follow that, actually, I don't really understand the science behind that. No. Um, and it'd be quite interesting to find out about that, but I've always found that a good combination is, is good. But I tend yeah. to weight my, no pun intended, I tend to weight my training more so in favour of weight training over cardio. Definitely, and I think if you're short on time as well, you yeah. know, if you're time poor, basically, mm. then doing the resistance work, you're going to see the results. Mm. I and I think most, from a motivation yeah. point of view, you know, maybe if you've struggled before, um, you're going to see those results by putting in the work with weights. I think also what's really important with women is because we get very weight-obsessed, and actually, body composition 
is really the key yeah. because yeah. that's where you're going to get the aesthetic gains that's where you're going to see the difference visually and i think for a lot of women seeing a visual difference is a massive motivation mm. yeah definitely i think you know i always say to my female clients that the journey is not necessarily way less way less way no, less no. you know certainly at a certain point of someone who is not inverted commas overweight um it is very much about what you're made up of sort of muscle to fat ratio um mm. the expression i like is that weight training kind of changes your silhouette in terms of it will change the shape of you yeah. and it will you know you can work on your weaknesses and, and the way that you move and your functional strength through that you know as well as things like bone density and other other pros from it so um what a great point to kick us off i think we're yeah. you know kind yeah. of sort of agreed on Straight that and in. you know for anyone who's not maybe think, thinking about incorporating resistance training into their workout plan, um, you certainly want to maybe consider that, seek some advice to perhaps get some coaching on where to start with maybe some of the basic compound movements that um, use multiple muscles and joints per lift um, and see what that can do for you. I think that will have a, a dramatic yeah, impact. I, I think when I was looking at particularly at bone density in uh, females, it's um, most of your sort of, you build your bone density um, in your childhood, in your teenage years, in your 20s, and kind of where you are when you're 30 is pretty much where you are. It's not gonna improve drastically after that. That's so interesting. You need to be putting in some impact work, mm. obviously, putting some force through your joints, through your bones. Um, and this is the problem, I think, with a lot of young girls. Not so much so now, because I've seen lots of young women in the gym. Yeah, you know. it's definitely increased. Yes, it's definitely, definitely oh, increased. Yeah. But when I, when I was a teenager, for instance, there's lots of pee at school, etc., etc. And then in adolescence, teenage years, it would tend to drop off. Mm. Yeah? yeah? You might go dancing, you know, yeah. in your platforms. Hey, that's good cardio. That was, that was probably pretty yeah. good resistance. <laughs> but basically, a, yeah. a, a lot of women, because they're at that stage in their life where they're not putting weight on necessarily, you know, yeah. and they're kind of busy, they're socialising, they've got lots of things going on, the sort of the p compulsory PE from school just drops off, off yeah. and they stop exercising. And that's actually the time in your life where you really need to be building your body for your future. Because yes. obviously pregnancies are gonna, there's gonna be some calcium deficit involved in that, growing a child, you know, the calcium in your body goes to the child. So there used to be an old adage of, you'd lose a tooth for every baby because of calcium deficit. Oh, okay. So, wow. you know, so pregnancy is going to have I'm an impact. I'm not picking up razor gummage. And then, of course, um, perimenopause, menopause, all of those are times when bone density can, can really take a big hit. That's so, a great point. Yeah. I'm so still thinking really about the dancing. Need... It's yeah, a good cardio. Yeah. What are you doing, ballet or tap? Well, three sets of the Casper slide, I think. <laughs> Super set, we're raising the trigger finger. But yeah, I think, it, you know, one. that is something. But, when you're considering female clients, yes, they need absolutely. to be building For strong our female body, listeners, yeah. maintaining bone density, because a natural thing which happens during menopause is oestrogen deficit. You know, that's what kicks the whole menopause off. And oestrogen deficit equals bone density mm. loss. 
I just sure. going back going back a little bit, just on a bit of a tangent as well. I think a lot of people, I think, bringing in my experiences, I think the reason as to why a lot of people don't necessarily steer towards weight training is not necessarily the science behind it, not necessarily um, the reasons that we've say given, but because I think there is a, a fear of it almost. Mm, um, cardio, yeah. you, you, anyone can get on a treadmill. You press the go mm. button and you walk or you run for half an hour mm. whilst you watch EastEnders on the TV and you get off and you go home. Yeah, definitely. Whereas in the weight, in the weight area, especially in like the free weights area, it can be quite intimidating. And I'm sure we'll probably cover this in another episode. But the, the thought of laying on a bench, almost quite vulnerable, and picking up some dumbbells and doing something which you've never done before is quite daunting. And actually if you can get past that and understand how important it is like you said to do the weight training mm-hmm. um, and like you said get the right advice and get a coach or a PT or, or even just look online at some plans etc it's really beneficial I think to get the weight training over the cardio especially in the oh, early stages yeah absolutely. definitely I think um, you know even to start with a gym floor class or something that was instructor led to get you That's to idea, actually, do yeah. some of the basic movements because you know we this probably will be a separate episode of, of the fact that it is quite an intimidating place and some gyms can up you know up front appear to be really quite clicky which does put people um on the defense a little bit mm-hmm. um yeah no great points there um the second takeaway no pun intended for the treadmill talks listeners please don't this is such a bonus episode this is we are privileged here to have (laughs) really now free advice um yeah sugar i was going to talk a little bit about sugar wasn't i um naughty old sugar creates creates its own demands so um sugar is kind of like it may it burrows into your gut and it makes a little home and it produces um sugar demanding bacteria so, so the to, more just, sugar you eat the more sugar you want basically so two questions for you yeah and i'm sure everyone wants to know this is it okay to have sugar in your diet you're going to have natural sugars yep. happening in your diet because there are sugars in foods, i.e., you know, fructose in fruit. Yep. Um, you've got sugars in milks. You've got sugars naturally occurring in a lot of things. Starch foods will turn to sugar, you know, uh-huh. it's part of the metabolizing process. However, however, what you want to try and avoid are the extra sugars and the processed Sugars. Mm. And that's your, your dairy milks and your the snowballs yeah. and your yeah. quality discount, discount yeah. snowballs. Cakes. <laughs> the quality cakes. street green Those triangles, cakes, things like that. You know, um, one of one of the one of the big things that happens I think is um, if people have had a bad day, um, if they're feeling a bit sad, you know, there's a temptation to self nurture with yes. cake. So it's almost like it's a, a sort of mummy It makes you feel good though, thing. doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's cositing, it's lovely. Oh, we'll have a bit of cake. Have some tea and cake, you'll feel better. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, if you have cake one day, you'll want cake the next day and the yeah. next day and the next day yeah, because the microbiome, the, the gut, is going to start demanding more and more sugar because you are creating sugar-loving bacteria in your gut and you're just feeding them and they're multiplying so it is a little bit it's best if you can go cold turkey really absolutely so it's an actual thing that if you if you ate something with sugar or refined sugar and things like that, processed sugar 
yeah. that actually your body will naturally want more of it yes. because it's now in your gut. Yes. Wow. I see I've always thought it was well, psychological like cravings almost. Like, no, no, no. You not sit there and eat your cabbage, you enjoy it, or, or I had a Ben and Jerry's have an idea too, but I I mean there, there is it obviously it releases pleasure hormones, you know. Yeah, it, it's got that going on with it. Hmm. But ultimately the gut brain connection is very, very strong. And wow. so that is coming from the gut, traveling up to the brain demanding more and more and more sugar so it's kind of like I don't know if it's true my son-in-law who um, is not always reliable with information but he does have some good ideas he said to me that it was more addictive than crack cocaine wow. <laughs> for the, for the uh, listeners true. neither of us in this room have tried crack cocaine so <laughs> nor we do we endorse it either. no we don't yeah. endorse it but so you know if the withdrawal the withdrawal is is pretty much up there. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I do agree with that. I think I am. I thought you were going to say take. No. <laughs> it's very Moorish. No, I think. Yeah, crack, Just a crack trial is Moorish. Um, no, I think um, I can relate to this. And this is what got me interested in the concept of fasting. Because I am massively sweet tooth. And I know that when I do start the chain of events it is so difficult to stop mm, and I like just like a Christmas binge it, or yeah I mean especially Christmas time is a classic one I'll be spending most of January trying to get off of just the need for kind of high carbohydrate sugary foods mm. and that makes a lot of sense what you say I think you know one of the reasons I looked at um, like I say the fasting and reducing the eating window is if I was to have, even after cheat days now, I will wake up the next morning and, you know, my, my body and brain will, will feel like they're, you know, talk to me about Belvita or crunchy nut cornflakes. There Come on, when do we start? Effect, and it's like, normally I just wouldn't feel that. I'm Normally I wouldn't mm. eat, you know, nine days out of ten, I won't eat before 1 p.m. Yeah. Yet if I have a crazy sugary Sunday on that Monday, I will physiologically feel... As real, I realise it sounds bro sciencey, but I will feel different, and yeah. I will feel like yes. I could easily go again. And I think in a lot of people's cases, that can be the biggest problem because we do eat to medicate our mood, like yeah, you say. Absolutely. It's comforting as well. It's definitely, nurturing. definitely. Food is associated with the mother. You know, it's, it's very, very primitive, and so if we're particularly if we're having a bad time, you know, if we're having. A, what feels like a cruel time we use it to suppress emotion as well to push down fear to push down upset you know have some lovely food have some comforting food and you'll feel better and it's it's a way of kind of self-nurturing but it's a very negative self-nurture it's not nurturing your body in a way that you should be so I was going to say how do you or what top tip would you give the listener if they do have Cravings, or is they? Yeah. What would you yeah. say is the suggestion to our listener? They're going to be listening to this thing. Thinking, you you up, this is have, exactly me. How about how do I stop? Yeah. <laughs> right. What What I would do is um, there are a couple of ways that you can deal with this, and you've got to choose one or the other. And this is only my opinion. This is kind of what I do with my clients. What I recommend, and I've written some blogs around this as well. Two medjool dates. A day, yeah. Now somebody said to me, "As in that's the like, fruit dates, yeah, right? That's okay. like 
toffees for health freaks, somebody said to me. Okay. And it, it kind of is, because they're big, big, juicy Middle Eastern dates. They're lovely, you know, okay. they're really big. They're as big as plums. But also, they're very, very good for you because they're full of fiber, micronutrients. There's loads and loads of really good stuff in medjool dates. They help with digestive transit. They mm. also give you a little bit of a boost. You know, if you're kind of feeling a bit like, oh, I've got another 10 clients to do and I'm really tired. What can I do? What can I have? Chomping on a couple of medjool dates is a really good way of satisfying that sugar craving. Now, don't have more than two. Oh. Because you could go crazy and eat a whole box. But just stick two, to okay. two because right. they are about 70 calories each. Yeah? Interesting. So, so you could do quite a bit of damage quite you quickly. You could. Yeah. So stick to two a day. Holland but. and Barrett, if you're listening and you want to provide us <laughs> with some of we'll those, taste so that we will happily Sponsor let you know how we get on. So, okay, so two, so 140 calories in, do they yeah. taste nice? They are absolutely fabulous. What, can you describe what they taste like? Because I've never they, had them. They taste like massive, big, fruity toffees. Oh, really? So they taste sugary, that's a good Yeah, okay. and you can chew them treacly, sugary, almost like a dark treacle toffee. Oh. And because they're very fibrous, you can chew, chew, chew them for a long, long time. So I always say to clients, try and chew 32 times. Wow. If you, yeah, it's the number of teeth you've got. So that's how you remember. Wow. Okay. Ideally, that's the number of teeth you've got. 32 chews 32 is the chews. recommended number. And remember, digestion and satisf satisfaction with eating as well begins in the mouth. Yeah. So many people are swallowing food that's too big a lumps, you know, that's going down, down into the digestive tract and potentially causing damage because it's not properly chewed. Oh, right. And you've got enzymes in your mouth, you know, you've got lots of... They do say you should chew your food because the saliva helps with... Yeah, and so a lot of people aren't getting that sense of... Um, Feeling full, full, yeah, yeah, because they're not chewing properly, so they're bypassing go. that signal That's to the brain. That's a free little brain. toxin in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty-two chews. Easy yeah. win that chews. as well. Just chew a bit more, and you're yeah. Um, and the, is there another one that you would add to? Yes, the, the other one, and this will suit you because I know you've got a little bit of a chalky thing going go on. on. Is um, dark chocolate. There's been some yes. studies around using dark chocolate as um, an aid to weight loss. Yeah. So um, it's got to be dark chocolate. I like the 85% plus. Yeah, well, 70% plus 70%, will do okay. it. Oh. And no more than 45 grams a day. Okay, yeah? interesting. But if you have that as your little reward, yeah, that's kind of like about half a bar, you know, of normal-sized chocolate. Yeah. You need to get good quality stuff. It's no good getting that I think you mentioned a brand that was 30p a bar yeah, yeah. you need Ooh. to get the stuff that's got a really high cocoa content yeah um, so like so a lint or a green and blacks maybe if like if you guys are listening yeah. also and you want to provide yeah. snacks you're Those welcome to hotel chocolate yeah. yeah good okay all right yeah, that's good yeah quality. You know, the Peruvian stuff, etc., etc., yeah. that you get the really good Nestle, quality. Like yeah. And also, you'll find with that very high dense chocolate, you can't eat a lot of it anyway. 
yeah. and you should have tiny amounts, melt it on the tongue, really, really enjoy it. So it's quite a central experience, you know? Mm, sounds ace. Okay. No, no, slow it down then. Slow it yeah, down. Yeah, make a meal yeah. of it quite literally. I think it's not yeah. like Galaxy, like you say, where it's pretty, you could do bar after bar. You kind of feel no. like you've had no, you a. Can't have a lot. And if you're eating, if you're trying to eat quite inverted commas clean, and you want, you know, you are going to want to have something that is a bit of a treat. So I think this is um, perfect. Um, just like as a quick summary, like before we go on to the third point, like just. Um, you know, one school of thought is that you shouldn't actually demonise any particular foods mm. and that you should look at kind of keeping tabs on your full energy balance and that there's a place for all kinds of things in a balanced diet. Yeah, and I, we, 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 I think we would all agree that yeah. that is a, a solid yeah. approach. I think the yeah. angle that we're coming at with this episode is more like if you are really serious about getting maybe leaner than you've ever been or you're mm. looking to evolve past some of the more basic concepts or if you've plateaued or you yeah, want to start yeah. so food, that it, kind of thing it's um so just wanted to kind of add that in because you know and it can be quite contradictory in, in one way i mean you talk a lot about the importance of calorie deficit yeah um and just don't yeah. want to kind of give the listeners a bit of a mixed mixed message yeah, yeah obviously calorie deficit is important otherwise it's just not going to happen but there there are some sort of slight provisos around that yeah. because there there has been a lot of research particularly working with um, circadian rhythms around timing the the eating window yeah because they've they've done and the problem with any sort of exploration study is that it's very difficult to do it on people initially to get the numbers that you need to make, make it meaningful. So it usually starts off on mice. <laughs> and it's not always transferable from mice to human beings. But what they have found with experiments around circadian rhythms is that basically it's not the number of calories or the food types or anything else that makes the difference in fat retention or fat loss. It's the eating window. It's how long you go without food and how long the window is that you're eating food. And one of the problems that we've got in 2019 is that there is food available all of the time. 24-7 um, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and people have got used to grazing. You know, mm. they just graze all the time. And there's a Kit Kat mentality of, you know, you don't even have to be hungry. You just, it's time for a break or have a Kit Kat. You know, yeah, it's definitely. that kind of that thing. And I think um, the experiments that they've, they've done, they've found, you know, they've given mice horribly, highly ca calorific food. But if they've given it to them in this restricted food window, their metabolism has still managed to process that and not put on weight compared to other mice in the same window who are having a much more restricted diet. But the body adapts and it manages, the metabolism manages more, mm. much more effectively when it's in a much smaller window of eating. So it's an it's a interesting area. I mean, I've always followed, and I, was all, I would always give the advice, I don't know about yourself, but I would always give the advice myself, and I've always followed, to maintain that calorie deficit. So if you're eating in your deficit, the, and it's a preference thing I always advise, if, if people prefer to have, say, three larger meals a day, then yeah. so be it. If you prefer to have six larger meals a day, 
uh, sorry, smaller meals a day, then then so be that. But as long as you're maintaining that target number, that that calorie yeah, deficit. Yeah. In terms of the times that you have those meals, so I shift worker, I can't always follow a strict pattern. No. So I've never really measured the timings of my meals, and that seems mm. to have worked for me. In terms of, so I was asked recently about whether or not I should eat um, uh, up until a certain point, eight o'clock at night, and then yeah. stop eating. Yeah. Now. I'm sure there is scientific evidence and, and things that say, yes, you probably should because the body is on its wind down, et cetera, and starting yeah. to process and digest and et cetera. I don't tend to eat past eight o'clock and that's purely a preference thing. Mm. Um, but I would always be an advocate of, as long as you're under that target number, almost regardless of how many meals you're having in that day, it, it wouldn't matter. And my evidence for that, and, and this may contradict what we're saying but yeah my evidence for that would be myself in the fact that I've managed to do it and I, I haven't been conscious of the times of those meals if that makes sense I guess yeah. if you're chef working you know you've got to eat when you can eat I know when I was I used to teach a lot more yoga sessions and I used to have real problems working out when to eat because mm. I couldn't eat two hours before a session, I couldn't eat just after, I had to give it half an hour, you know. And there would be times when I was scratching my head about, when am I going to eat today? When am I going to fit it in? I'm sure you're in the same position with personal training. Mm. So, yeah, but at the same time, I would say that there's quite a lot of science emerging out there around the importance of resting the gut and resting the digestive tract. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah. I've stacked meals up before. If I've missed a meal, let's say, and I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to hit my protein target, I'm not going to hit my calorie target today because I've not eaten enough, then I'll almost wait until my next one and put the two pots in one and yeah. stack it up. I think the... Yeah, I mean, I'm almost the opposite to that now. Like I said, I've fallen in love with the fasting and I love the idea of a 16 to 17 hour fast a day. I think that's just changed everything for me. Um, I think, I take your point on the calorie deficit, I think that's always the level one default that Definitely. you go to in terms yeah. of the base of, pyramid in, uh, base of the pyramid in terms of importance. But I can definitely believe with from personal experience what Deborah's saying about energy levels and I know that you know the thinking is that the body prioritizes digestion first so mm, when you're absolutely. not constantly grazing there's rejuvenating processes that you're getting and as I say, I've done it for almost two years now and I just I wouldn't regress back from that just so you know maybe you could flirt with the idea of that mm. of trying that and that might be it something that kind of plateaued to try yeah. both of these yeah. try the spacing out the meals and also the fasting there is there has to be something to be said for as well is that I if I have to eat late at night and then go to bed say 10 o'clock at night and then yeah. I go to bed and sleep all night I've always and this sounds maybe really bizarre and maybe some people can relate to this I always wake up and I definitely feel different I definitely feel heavier or more bloated or more lethargic but also not only that certainly when I dropped a lot of my weight at my lightest I would I would notice a difference in and this sounds crazy saying it out loud like skin tightness almost like that yes. lean feeling like I would wake up if I'd eaten rubbish or feeling late at night bloated. yeah I felt fatter yes. I felt like physically fat like I would look in the mirror and think I actually feel like really fat today mm, whereas if I had, had a fat day yeah but I might not have had a fat day I might have just eaten really late but 
if yeah. I'd have eaten, say, at six o'clock and then boom, like you say, fasted until, oh, say, ten o'clock the next day. I you do. Like, yeah. I felt like I was a supermodel in the middle. Yeah, you do. I feel like the energy is better. And, I, you mm. know, some people say, like, how do you not eat until, like, one? Do you not get hungry? And, and a lot of the studies show that the hunger hormones reduce the longer that you fast for. So it's not like the longer that you leave it you get erratic and desperate for food actually you get almost more that you could take it or leave Absolutely. it and then I think yeah, to it as well, yeah and that's yeah. key because then you're looking at food as kind of like nourishment and yeah. I should eat to build me up rather than I've just got to eat because I just mm. I'm just desperate now um, which again kind of flies in the face a little bit of the conventional wisdom because for a, a long while they used to say little and often and yep. you've got to keep if you don't eat something every one and a half to two hours your your body's not your metabolism's not going to be yes. sped up inverted it's a commas lot of and mixed that messages, aren't yeah there? there's oh, we've said before really? about the grey area I think that's yeah. somewhere in the middle in it but um, but I, I think it is emerging that you know circadian rhythms are so important we've seen it with mobile phones and the necessity for people you know to have the screens on them to have the filters on them otherwise it's interfering with sleep that's because yes of which is your the third point i believe that yes. we've kind of t- segued yes. nicely into deborah's third point here which, which is, is very much that um late night eating is not good because it triggers stomach acid um okay. which causes a lot of associated digestive problems so um if we go back you know we've got these stone age bodies hunter gatherer bodies and the idea was you would do your eating in daylight mm-hmm. yeah because there wasn't a lot of light about you know um if you were living in caves for instance you might have your fire in the evening but then you'd pretty soon bed down so the eating would go on hmm. very very much during the day early evening and we have got this this primitive circadian rhythm which means that at night time as we're getting ready for sleep and as we're going to sleep the body starts to repair the digestive tract now the digestive tract if you think of it like a country lane and the whilst you're eating during the day you've got big old lorries hurtling along this country lane in terms of your potentially not very well chewed food yeah yeah it gets quite damaged and it's really important to have these periods of time of not eating so that it can repair itself the body's smart it repairs itself one of the things it does as well is it generates quite a lot of stomach acid during Mm. the night which means that if you're introducing food into that stomach acid and that acid has a role it's to destroy harmful harmful bacteria which may invade the body so if you start plugging that full of i don't know curry or kebab or whatever the late night food 2 a.m subway after you're a night preventing, after a skim carbonados yeah <laughs> you're preventing a couple of important things happening that digestive report uh, repair the the resting of the gut the killing off of harmful bacteria you know these are important repair things that go on you can sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say that that's interesting. Um, I'm in the middle on this one though, because for a, I'm not saying I dis, disbelieve any of that at all. For a, a long while in the in the body composition world, they would talk about eating carbohydrates late at night to help aid sleep because we all yeah because we all know how important sleep is. Um, that'd be a 
probably a separate episode in itself. Mm-hmm. I'll go so much into that now, but I think we can all agree that that is huge. Um, therefore, if you were to eat carbs, that would maybe tilt your blood sugar into a way that you would then go into a deeper sleep. Yeah. Again, just playing devil's advocate. That's. I don't yeah, know I can I can talk that. about that because I've been doing a sleep lecture today. <laughs> sleep promotion. <laughs> the thing that you want to sleep is drip, tryptophan, which is okay. a particular content of certain foods. Uh, one of the richest things is bananas. For bananas sleep, bananas are great. before bed. Sleep, oh, okay. yeah. They trigger um, an amino acid in the brain, which flicks the switch for sleep. Also, turkey, chicken, nuts, so quite high Here protein Here we go, so bodybuilder foods. food. Yeah, yeah. but ideally, bananas. you want to combine those with some starchy foods as well. So something like a turkey sandwich and then a banana would be Sends you right off to sleep. So would you say that would be better than nothing, given the information that you gave us moments ago on not eating? Uh, yeah, is it more that you could make the wrong choices for, and that be detrimental? Yeah, right. I would have those foods still early, as early as possible. You know, if you can get... The problem is So not that, 20 minutes before yeah. head hits the pillow kind of yeah. thing. Okay. You know, and again, the importance of chewing. Break those foods right down. Chew them 32 times. Mm. And you see I'm people... I'm going to be counting now. They're, kind of, <laughs> they're putting food in their mouth whilst they've still got food in their mouth. Yeah? Rather <laughs> unpleasant. That, yeah. <laughs> rather unpleasant if you're having a meal with them. Yeah. Stop me with the mini eggs. <laughs> but make sure, you, make sure you <laughs> empty your mouth before you put the next lot in and yeah. don't yeah. use liquid to wash it down. Make God. sure that you are using your digestive juices. You know, Ideally, you want it to go down to such grainy pulp that it falls down your throat. Right. You can see wow. almost in summer, to summarise this, right, you can almost see how your, your listener has a, a bad day at work Right, so their stress levels are up. They go home, they think, I'm not very tired, I've had a really long day, so I'm gonna kick back in front of the telly and I'm gonna enjoy my time now and I'm not going to bed until 11 o'clock. And that's what I'm doing, I'm staying up until 11 out of spite because I've had a rubbish day. And do you know what? I'm gonna treat myself because I've had a crap day. I'm gonna go to that fridge and eat that chocolate cake, all those mini eggs. So now you've got stress increased, sedentary, sat in front of the sofa, Yeah. lack of sleep, Yeah. you've got the mini eggs and the chocolate cake that they're shoveling down, so yeah. the calorie deficit's gone out the window and they're having a calorie surplus. Yeah. They're Creating sugar-loving bacteria. Yeah, sugar-loving sugar bacteria. bacteria. They're yeah. going to bed late and they're eating yeah. late. They're not getting enough sleep. They wake up. They and feel it's rinse, like repeat. As well. rinse, and repeat, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just that it's the power of that downward spiral, which you can get into kind of very quickly. So I think almost you what know. we want to say is if you, if you get into that point, and if, if you're going to take anything away from this, and I appreciate it's been quite factual, but you almost want to just take away one thing from this so that you can, you can stop that cycle now. Because it, it will, might even happen again. You might find yourself having that rubbish day and coming back to that situation. Mm. But now we've hopefully armed you with the tools and the knowledge to just be aware of it a little bit more. Mm. And you'll, you'll maybe just cut that cycle a little bit and you'll think, actually, I'm not going to go to the fridge because now I know the effect that's going to have. Or I'm going to make sure I get a good early night because I know the effect that's going to have. 
Um, I think that's where we've sort of gone with this, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, let, let's wrap here and, you know, to summarise, I think, you, well, you've, you've just done so. I think it's very, been very thought-provoking, yeah. a few different things to think about. Um, massive thanks to Deborah for visiting that's us today. Thank, thank, thank you very much, much for coming on. I feel um, like a big old killjoy saying all those things. No, no not at all. It's, um, <laughs> that's what we want to... Uh, Want to provide the listeners with this? Been 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 really, really great. And um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We will see you same time next week for the next episode. You've been listening to Treble Talks with me and Matt. You can find us on Instagram at JD Fitness Official and at Matt Cowell PT. Give the podcast a follow. New episodes releasing every Friday.